podcast contains strong language and adult themes from the outset. Hello everyone and thanks for listening to Because You Watched, the podcast where comedians get together to come up with brand new TV show and movie ideas. Producer Rory here, standing in for Beck Hill, just to let you know we're away for a bit now, but we didn't want to leave your podcatcher all hungry. So we've put together this very special episode featuring some of our favourite ideas from the last series. It's got totally original film and TV show pictures from Adam Hills, Dane Baptiste, Danielle Ward and Jade Adams. Plus, it features our series regulars Georgia Maguire, Matt Hyten and John Gracie. And me and Beck, of course. So if you want to relive the showbiz magic or you just can't be bothered to listen to the whole series, you've come to the right place. Grab a bowl of popcorn, put on your 3D glasses for no reason and get ready for some boiling hot idea juice to be poured directly into your ears. First up, we've got Adam Hills' idea for an exciting TV action and adventure show. Adam, I'm super excited. What pitch have you got for us? Um, okay, so here's my, here's my pitch. So, uh, a stage hypnotist... I don't know how often you hear that at the beginning of a pitch, but I've gone <laughs> with it. Well. A stage hypnotist with a heart of gold realises that his subjects are more confident, physically stronger, and believe in themselves more when they're hypnotised. So he creates a crack squad of people around the world who are hypnotised to believe they are pure of heart crime fighters. Wait, you're just describing Darren Brown. (laughs) (laughs) This is his entire career. It sounds like we've got casting sorted. (laughs) Imagine if he used his powers for good. (laughs) (laughs) So all, all the hypnotist has to do is say the trigger words and then his crack team spring into action. But then, and they, each week solving a different crime, but at the end of the episode, the great thing is all he has to do is click his fingers. They resume their normal lives, unaware of what happened, thus making them the <gasps> perfect heroes. Oh. Wow. So their secret identity is a secret even to them. Even oh. to them. That even to is them. a genuine... And... Get Netflix on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> They're already on the phone. They're on speaker. <laughs> <laughs> you already know how this series ends as well. It's amazing. Like, because you know that the end series is they have to activate everyone at once for a national crisis. It, it rises yes. itself. I thought it would finish with um, them finding out that they're being hypnotized, and then you know the whether they choose to keep being hypnotized or be dehypnotized, wow. or or oh. the big bad whoever it is discovers the other trigger word that takes them out of the hypnotist thing, so they keep waking up in really dangerous situations. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like just see, seeing someone say get him is, is the trigger out of that so they just yeah, keep snapping into reality it's a, a, a series of armed thugs are running at them just, oh my god and the, the hypnotist is going mango 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 just trying to, <laughs> trying to reactivate them mid-fight and oh. you know, the weird thing about this this was actually based on so many years ago i worked with a stage hypnotist i was his support act and two things that would happen Every show, he would get someone to basically lie with their, 
between two um, chairs. So the back of the top of one chair would be where their neck was, and the back of another chair would be where their feet were. And normally, if you tried to do that yourself, you would just sag in the middle. But these people always were, were rock solid, like a plank of wood. You could almost sit on them. And he said, yeah, but when if you tell people when they're hypnotized that they can do this, then they'll do it. And then there was a moment where they would come back. He would send people backstage and I would have to convince them to be ballet dancers. <laughs> and these two big burly blokes would be sent backstage and I would go, right, when you, when you go back out on stage, you're ballet dancers and you jump and you, you don't do anything dangerous, but you twirl and all of this kind of stuff. And they'd be, yeah, okay, sure. And then often I'd see them after the show and go, oh, did you enjoy that? And they go, enjoy what? Sorry, who are you? And they had literally no memory of talking what? to me or of me telling them what to do or of what they even did on stage. So all wow. of this is kind of weirdly based in, in the possibility that it could actually happen. So you're saying we should do it for real. <laughs> A great episode where the, the good hypnotist and the bad hypnotist have hypnotized the same person. And they just keep, keep doing a reveal where they go, I know you hypnotize them, but I also, and they just go through seven layers of hypnotism. Yes. I mean, my problems, I have a whole bunch of problems with this though. I haven't thought of a name for it. I haven't thought of a name for the hypnotist either. And I'm not entirely sure who the characters are that, that he assembles. So, so I, um, to, to, to find kind of some every, every people, uh, I, I googled regular jobs just to see some regular jobs that we might have uh, who people become hypnotized. The very first result was cleaner, which sounds like a good hero name. <laughs> It's the cleaner. Ooh. We've got the babysitter. I think a babysitter. <laughs> although, although to be honest, that's quite dangerous because if they're mid babysit and then suddenly they get activated <laughs> and jump through a window. <laughs> We've got uh, head of brand advocacy. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's a normal job, right? That's a regular job. <laughs> Until you said the head of brand advocacy, I was about to say <clears throat> the other two regular jobs you've chosen almost sound like they're the names of superheroes anyway the cleaner the babysitter but no one's gonna go head of brand advocacy advocacy. (laughs) hypno squad seems to roll off the tongue i think as a title yeah Yeah. but i do i I do like a pun so i would like to try and get closer to Mm. that i do maybe there's a tagline of you know when he says mango, things go bananas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's great. Nice. Yeah, that's great. I like it. Do you know what, though? The more we talk about it, the more I'm, I'm imagining, the more I can see this as a being a TV show that existed in the 80s about which Seinfeld did stand up in the 90s. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like I can almost imagine him going, like, why didn't they, if you could hypnotize normal people to go and stop crime, why didn't they hypnotize criminals to just become normal people? <laughs> and what you do to get really meta is you do like one of those deep fakes of Seinfeld doing that as a bit on the show and then you cut to our characters watching it (laughs) that's its real angle it starts with five minutes of stand up about the last episode instead of a recap (laughs) (laughs) just pointing out all the flaws look we're aware of our bad writing and here's how. What do you mean? You can't find a mafia boss that can't just click his fingers and unhypnotize them? <laughs> oh. I mean, there are so many flaws in this pitch. But I, I want this made. I don't, this is the sort of thing, you've pitched it so well that I think in about 10 years I'll have forgotten this and then just be Googling trying to find this show, thinking it's real. <laughs> That's how solid this pitch is. 
<laughs> no, it was a show about hypnotists. I swear, I swear. <laughs> I mean, Hypno Squad seems to be the, the go-to name, but I'm just not sure that it's, it's quite catchy enough. It's a working title for now. Okay. Who are the, yeah. Uh, what, so our characters so far, we've got Rory. You were saying so. There's a, a cleaner, a babysitter. How many? How many in this team? I was thinking like a nice four or five. I think so, and I think also the the person pulling it together, the Charlie to the Angels, if you will, um, is the hypnotist, and I think I think his story is that maybe. You know, he's been doing stage hypnotism for a while, but he kind of realizes that it's it's essentially just making people do embarrassing things uh, <laughs> for his own entertainment. And I think he probably has an epiphany on stage where he realizes, oh, maybe it all becomes about because like he sees a crime in the auditorium where he's doing a show. Uh, like maybe oh, yeah. he sees someone stealing someone else's handbag. Uh, oh, and what if one and, of the people that he hypnotized in the show is sort of loitering and he like hypnotized him to do martial arts or something on stage. And so he quickly says exactly. the trigger warning and then suddenly they like karate fight this person. And he's like, so oh, this that person was on, useful. Yeah. So he turns to the person on stage and goes, right, Simon, stop pretending that you're giving birth to an elephant. <laughs> you're now an amazing crime fighter and you're going to stop that robbery on the other end of the auditorium. And then it works. And then he's like, oh, my God, I've got this power. We can make this work. You could, you could yeah. go Bruce, Bruce Wayne with it where he as a child watched a hypnotist hypnotize his parents and it went wrong. So he vowed to learn <laughs> hypnotism for good. <laughs> that's amazing. He's always fighting that one memory. still their chickens. Yeah, yeah, they're still alive. <laughs> but he's trying to find the, the hypnotism that can get them out of it. <laughs> I've got an idea for the big bad as well. So, because you've got to, like, obviously there's the general crime that happens and, yep. you know, all the horrible things. I think the big bad needs to be an ex-assistant of the hypnotist who she was so sick of being take like not being taken seriously because it's the 80s and she's the glamorous assistant. So everyone just thinks she's really yeah. dumb. But actually she learnt all the hypnotism tricks from him and now she's even more powerful. So she started Ooh. hypnotizing baddies to, to fight his goodies. Uh, right. Now that sounds great because it's a battle of the hypnotists. And her yeah. name would be like Spangula. <laughs> I was trying to think of <laughs> Spangles and... <laughs> What's what's the hypnotist called? Have we got a name for the hypnotist? I've, no, I've not yet found a name for the hypnotist. So the guy I worked with back in the day was a guy called Peter Powers. So I think it has to be alliterative. Ooh. You have to have, yeah. you know, yeah. something forceful in your surname. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm really struggling with this one. What's, what's beautiful about Peter Powers is you work for the Spider-Man of hypnotists there. Like it really is <laughs> as close to Peter Parker as you can get. <laughs> That's amazing. Something like Tony Trigger oh. Word or something. <laughs> <laughs> you should give them a little kid sidekick as well just so you can have moments where they're like gee whiz Mr. Trigger Word I don't know how we're going to get out of this one <laughs> just for the fun of it can Spangela's last name be a- a Lansbury oh. Spangela Lansbury <laughs> so Angela Lansbury would play Spangela <laughs> obviously <laughs> But you know, like, like a, like this is in the eighties, so it's yeah, yeah well, it's well, pretty cool. I, I mean, we it doesn't matter if we make it now. She is ninety four years old. Uh, however, we'll make it we've now. Got our, we, we've got our magical de aging machine. We can make anyone look young nowadays. No, so no, I no, no. If we're making it now, year old I Angela. want her now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fine. Okay. If anything, age her up again. 
Yeah. Always age. Yeah. I, I like I like how if she's a, a former assistant, she was like working under our, our main hypnotist at the age of like eighty five. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they kept overlooking her. It's an right. ageism thing yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so I, I I feel like the hypnotist hero needs to be someone who maybe was a bit of a douche and has had their redemptive moment, but that's also why some people are still a bit angry at him. So it's like, he's got to be, because also I don't like, I've worked with a lot of magicians over the time and there's a, there's an element of arrogance there. Right. You know, no offense to my, any magicians listening, you know, I love you. (laughs) That's all your listenership as well. Oh no. (laughs) Hey, you'd be surprised. I get messages from a surprising amount of amateur magicians offering me (laughs) magic tips. Uh, And then I, I have to explain that I actually know quite a lot of professional magicians. Anyway, we're getting (laughs) off subject. (laughs) That is a podcast in itself. So who's a, so a magician, I feel like, Someone like Matthew McConaughey or someone who's got that swagger about him. Wow. Oh, yeah. But but, but they that. need darker eyes. You know, they need that that hypnotist eyes, you know, like dark eyelashes, that kind of Timothy, Timothy Dalton type eyes. Oh, he'd be good as well. Timothy Dalton would be great. Yeah. I also feel I also feel like we could get Daniel Day-Lewis out of retirement for this and he he'd be a he'd be a great hypnotist <laughs> as well. Oh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Day-Lewis, Lansbury, we just need I mean, that's it. That, this thing writes itself, right? Yeah. yeah. And then our team will just be like a collection of leftovers from Nickelodeon and Disney shows. You know, the ones that don't <laughs> go on to have successful pop star careers? And I wonder if every week it's a, it's a completely different cast of five people. Like, that's the whole, you know. Oh, every yeah. Week. oh they've, yeah. They've activated a different five, yeah. Yeah. Like Manimal, when he has to turn into the most appropriate animal for the occasion, he, like, can decide which of his agents to activate based on the crime amazing so he like activates a concrete worker and can like tip some concrete on them or something yes that's great i mean that would probably kill them so maybe that's not his (laughs) mo well that's the thing isn't it in those shows people don't actually die they just have to disappear yeah (laughs) they're out of shot no one cares anymore but then by having a revolving cast you can do that thing that they do in death in paradise where you get like a vaguely famous actor appears in just one episode yeah Um, as the concrete worker. <laughs> Henry Cavill is the concrete worker. Yeah. This concrete isn't going to set itself. Mango. Where are you going, Jimmy? Where are you going? We always try and come up with a way of getting the execs on side when we're pitching, you know, to, to really make this a zeitgeisty thing that makes them really want to commission yeah. whatever we're pitching. So, I mean, obviously, we just have to hypnotise them. <laughs> That's part of the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. We'll Two get... of them wake up from a fugue state and one of them has been beaten up to within an inch of their life. And the other one has got, like, has got, like, fists covered in blood and it's kind of like, see what we did there? Next up is Dane Baptiste's pitch for a gangster thriller movie. Dane, what gangster thriller pitch have you got for us? Okay, so the working title for this show is Robo Hip Hop Apocalypse. It's terrible, but hear me out. (laughs) Now, we know the gangster genre has basically overturned every stone from the law. 
So now we take the game intergalactic. So this is an intergalactic <laughs> gangster thriller. Ooh. Nice. So our president, the president of a dystopian Western nation, which I won't name, has, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> has inherited massive debts as a result of some very shady business practices and multiple bankruptcies. That now he has passed on that debt to this government. That government, in turn, has used its citizens as collateral to a secret shadow society of intergalactic crime syndicate known as the Monochrome. The Monochrome make their money by racketeering and taking popular culture and arts from various planets throughout the solar system and then selling those at discounted prices, depriving human beings literally of their intellectual property through their various use of technology. So you imagine a neuralizer literally stealing ideas and imagination, centralizing wow. that and selling it to the highest bidder intergalactically. Now, our president's in debt to them too, and has basically given them carte blanche to remove the intellectual property and the wealth of imagination and creativity from the populace. Our only hope is former communications nerd and expert on popular culture, Cobalt Brown. He must now assemble a team in order to defeat our now completely corrupted president, who is now pretty much an intergalactic cybernetic puppet on behalf of the monochrome, ruling neo Americish <laughs> and save the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job this is sci-fi game because otherwise this would be a terrifying concept i mean yeah, yeah i know yeah, yeah. Could, could you imagine somebody like that being in control of a nuclear arsenal so <laughs> yeah so pretty much this is the pitch for the show is that you know this president is aware of this fact and therefore strikes up a deal with the monochrome who provided him with an entire crime syndicate of people defending including diamond and silk <laughs> i love diamond and silk Diamond and Silk, and although their names sound sweet and sophisticated, you can imagine these two women are what would happen if two Chechenian rebels had sex and gave birth on a Jerry Springer show. Oh my, oh my gosh, is that their backstory? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I can't wait to see that news montage. Yeah. Jane, do they, when they steal the ideas, do they sort of traffic people in Clockwork Orange them, or is it more Riddler from uh, Batman Forever? where he's got the TV thing. I think it's a mixture of both, but it's it's a mixture of both in that people are abducted and then you do find them in, I guess, what would be the equivalent of FEMA camps where they are drained of their intellectual property ideas and creativity. Mm. Mm. That is in turn transformed into a tangible kind of quasi-ectoplasm and that in turn is then distributed as a narcotic to boost creativity on an Ooh. intergalactic scale. And that's how the racket works. I see. So, so instead of it being like... Uh... It's not a meritocracy or, you know, like it's not about talent. It's about who, you know, uh, the people who know people can literally just take the talent yeah. as well. They can suck the talent out of people's heads. Exactly. It's put a, it in their own the next stage of plutocracy. The rich, the rich can give it to their yep. kids. There you go. Because yep. at this particular point go. in time, oh. you can't pass on wealth uh, genetically, you know, which is why you have so many people who wake up next to their partners realizing why are our children ugly? Oh, yeah, you were just rich. But now yeah. <laughs> what they can do is actually yeah, take the creativity and then rob you know, creatives are that final piece or gift that can allow for social mobility. You know what? I realise that there's a lot of gangster films that I haven't seen, and I think it's purely because there isn't enough mention of quasar ectoplasm. There's not enough. So, Dane, I'm wondering, so this is obviously, there's a lot of concepts here. There's a lot of stuff going on, so i really love to hear. No, I think it's very straightforward. It's very, I know, I know. You look, I, look, mate, 
I, I, I'm not having a problem. Don't I, you get I, I'm it, very, Rory? I'm a very intelligent person. So, uh, <laughs> Rory works for them. I, I, I'd be, yeah, Dane, just keep giving me this idea and I'm storing it in a jar. Oh my gosh. We're on an actual show where we're asking for your ideas. <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd just really like to hear, Dane, what is the first scene? So like we fade up from black. What is the first scene we see to kind of set the stage, set what's going on? What do you think? The first scene begins just like this. We are in like a boardroom discussing creative pitches in a yeah. very relatively small, kind of like independent, but I suppose... Cupboard. Yeah, independent cupboard slash uh, boardroom. And people are discussing yeah. ideas. Now, the scale of this studio, it's a relatively small studio. Think something like, you know, Sanchez Productions, right? <laughs> yes. You know, that, just to give you an idea of scale. So these guys are on a call, everyone's discussing ideas, and they're like, finally, guys, we've worked it out. And that is how Desperado Part 3 is going to happen. So now we've generated anticipation amongst the audience. Suddenly, yeah. windows begin smashing all over the place. And then all of these dark figures come in. They kidnap these guys. They bound them. They gag them. They drag them out. Nice. One person yeah. remains, has enough time to crawl across the floor because he fights them off. And with his last dying <laughs> breath, he sends out the distress signal to Cobalt Brown. Nice. Q titles. Nice. Oh. I love it. So these are monochrome. These are monochrome thugs, right? Monochrome thugs. Or I like to call them monochrome shock troopers or uh, yes. you could even call them thought troopers <laughs> yeah. you mean brainstorm troopers oh! Oh! hello oh, i better run <laughs> they'll be wanting that they, they'll hear that they'll hear that yeah are they are they replacing the people they take to make it look like nothing's happening no not at all they just create a uh air of hysteria and fear and make people believe that these people are in fact dissidents from the state and, uh, you know, encourage people to turn against creators because they are seen as being, yeah, uh, political malcontents. How does the monochrome work in terms of, because it's organized crime, right. but obviously if they're, if they're, if it's intergalactic, then what law, you know, because to be organized crime as opposed to just organized political systems, then there needs to be a law that they're breaking for it to be classified as crime. So is there like a universal law set out like is there someone who's meant to be enforcing that law that they're working behind i guess it all comes under what's referred to as the ig rico statute which is the intergalactic racketeering and corrupt organizations act which was uh first coined by the uh, federation in the star date 20x42 now i don't know the intricacies of the legislation but i am aware that you're stealing <laughs> intellectual property from uh, and culture from other planets and basically the act of uh psychological and cerebral racketeering and breaking and entering so if i'm stealing from the minds of the people and setting that to the highest bidder big big intergalactic capital crime <laughs> dane when when beck asked you how your cupboard was earlier you neglected to say that it's covered in post-it notes and string at the moment <laughs> as well i mean she didn't specify which cupboard <laughs> I was, so i'm wondering dane we've got our main our main guy cobalt brown uh, so he is uh, going up against Monochrome, this kind of international mob organization. So who is Cobalt Brown? Does he fall under an organization or is he an uh, independent uh, actor? Like what, what's, what's going on? So Cobalt Brown, uh, played by Kevin Hart, is a, was a former communications nice. officer uh, with the, uh, the US military who uh, has now become a blogger on all things popular uh, culture and all kitsch. Problem being is that uh, due to his profile, he's not really being seen as being one of the most foremost experts on uh, popular culture. Uh, so he's just basically trying to make his bones and increase his awareness. So he starts uh, uncovering this plot and starts relaying this to various different points on social media, which is subject to ridicule until he is met with 
by uh, international vigilante Serafina, who is played by Gabori Sadibi. Here's the twist, though. Gabori Sadibi is the voice. So she played Precious. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, though, is that because of the fact that she is aware that she can't pass by undetected by the monochrome, she's had to take her consciousness and put it into that exoplasm and inject that into Dave Franco. So it's Dave Franco, <laughs> but with Gabor Shadibi's voice. <laughs> I don't want to say that you're, you're getting predictable, Dane, but I saw that coming. I saw that coming. So, so this is a secret thing. This is something I didn't know up until now. So basically the president of neo Americish has struck a deal with this international crime syndicate to basically put people's creativity up as collateral, but the people don't know. So uh, their, their IP is being whisked away and stolen and they... Uh, it's kind of like a surprise. But only a very select few know that this is going on. Absolutely, because the president also has a very uh, aggressive and very corrupt media machine. What? Um, who plays Diamond and Silk? Uh, so Diamond and Silk will be played by Tia and Tamara Maori from the hit Nickelodeon show, Sister, Sister. Oh, yes. <laughs> so who, who are, uh, what is their role? Because I, I was uh, midway through noting. Diamond and Silk uh, are a part of the president's new cabinet. And they yeah. basically work uh, duly as both his concubines and his assassins. And they are basically the yeah. main leaders in this uh, security detail that constantly surround the president and protect him with his life. So you imagine like Bill from Kill Bill and the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. It's like that, mm-hmm. but with like racists and bigots. and yeah. so, 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 to, so to free themselves from the larger threat, they have to take down the president and standing in their way is diamond and silk all the while while they're trying to come up with amazing ideas to defeat the president they need to make sure those ideas aren't being caught by monochrome it's a very they're they're really on a tightrope this is the best gangster film i've ever heard of it's it's got it's got pangs of they live as well which means just just as a little thing that you should pull in you should have cobalt try to convince keith david it's happening just so you can have a, a 10 minute wrestling match in the middle oh all four this that. is a film about taking ideas away and uh you know embellish creativity there's going to be some wrestling in this <laughs> yeah. there's going to be some wrestling in this. i don't know if you know this but the current leader of the free world has fought in wwe before so it yep. would be yes. remiss of us if we were going to attempt any satire to leave that part out you could have it like a, a sci-fi gangster version of the end of gladiator when um, Thingy, um, what's he called, Joaquin Phoenix goes in to fight Maximus, but you have the president going in to fight Cobalt. He approaches Cobalt Brown before they enter into the Colosseum, and he's like, I've got all the best ideas. Not only do I have all the best ideas, I have everybody else's best ideas, and chooses to inject himself with the creative ectoplasm of some of the most (sighs) prolific cage fighters, martial arts, and military strategists known in the world. However, you'd think this would work out, but unfortunately, the president in his hubris, overloads himself. And then this is for you, Beck. You get that whole Akira Tetsuo moment when he just, uh, right? Do I need to say any more, guys? Wow. Do I need to say any more? Yeah, yeah. If this is going to be a cult classic, you need to have at least one ending that the test audiences will hate. And then you can yeah. be the other ending. Oh, you've got to have the alternate ending. I'll have to have an alternate ending because this is about ideas. So that's what's going to be one of seven other alternate endings. I feel like one of the endings needs to be the fact that if you were gorging yourself on all of these thoughts and ideas and everything, then eventually you're going to realize that there's so much out there. It would actually broaden your mind and you'd probably become a much more empathetic person for it. Then you know, because we're, be, we're supposed to be a collective consciousness. But if you begin to commodify imagination and creativity and keep selling it, 
how slippery is that slope? So maybe the maybe there's a machine that explodes and then all the thoughts go across the universe right. and then everyone gets everyone's collective consciousness. Giving birth to an intergalactic renaissance of creates unified creativity. We can even mix a little bit of um, Kingsman in there where say all the the talent that has been put in people's heads where it don't belong, like forcibly rips out and flies back to the correct person. So all the people who've injected themselves with talent wrongly, just their heads just get Yeah, exploded. it begins to reject it. Yeah. They, and it exactly. And it, yeah. and it can't take like, you know, the equivalent of like the methadone to like quieten that and stop it happening. So now their body begins to reject yeah. it and then it just distributes everywhere. And then at the end, there's a post credit scene when Cobalt Brown is looking out the window and then he's like, I think that rainbow has got 11 colors. And then you just hear someone go, <laughs> Just an idea I had. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely just got goosebumps. That's amazing. Coming up next is Danielle Ward's teen scream movie idea. I'm very interested to see what you've got for us, Danielle. What have you got? My idea is The Last Jock. And it's about a high school that is haunted by the ghost of The Last Jock. (laughs) Because we all know, like, in American high schools, they love the jock, right? The guy who won all the trophies and the trophy cabinet. And he's come back to seek revenge on all the new jocks who out-jock him because sports science has moved Mm. on so much. So, like, when he was a jock, he he could only run. Like, his distances weren't as good because they didn't have sports psychology and, you know, good legs and stuff. However, (laughs) he only died recently. So he's he's a a 70-year-old man. So it's not like he's died tragically. He's an old man who has died, who is now a ghost. And all the living jocks who are dicks because they're jocks have to work together to defeat the last jock before they all get killed by this evil ghost, which most of them are. Um, So everybody gets killed, obviously, apart from the new last jock in many ways. Um, So they have to defeat this evil jock ghost. And uh, true to the genre of teen horror, there are five main characters. Um, I don't know if you know that the, the, there are there are meant to be five main characters in teen horror. If you've seen Cabin in the Woods, uh, yes. oh yeah, There's yeah, the Jock, the Virgin, the Nerd Stoner, the Cheerleader, and I can't remember what the last one is. But I thought that was too obvious, so I've decided to make all my five characters. They're all jocks, indistinguishable from each other in terms of status, character, and ethnicity. So they're all exactly the same character, but five different men. And uh, the last jock is called Chet Grade. So the the 70-year-old man who is a ghost is Chet Grade. And the other jocks are Brad, Brett, Scott, Tommy, and Magnus. There are no female characters with actual names. I don't think you need it. I think just like five white guys. I'm really fed up of seeing women and people of colour in things. So I thought, get back to basics. Five white guys. A white guy is the killer and no other people are in it. Um, (laughs) And some stuff happens. I mean, like it's teen horror, right? All you have to do is just kill everybody. Can I suggest just to to make that really realistic, though, is um, yes, let's let's only fill it with, with cis white straight men but um, not let any of them in the writer's room. So if we could just make it that all of their lines and stuff are just guessed based on what women and people of colour think (laughs) that they would say, uh, that would be really great. Oh, that sounds great. Just an idea of what it is. Yeah, I like that a lot. And so uh, these five guys all get killed in various fun ways. I think one might be, um, I want one stabbed with a, a drum kit, you know, like a hi hat. But I think that would be fun. Someone gets stabbed with one of them. 
Uh, someone probably gets killed with some. I think making thematically making them all get killed by sports things feels too obvious. So one of them might walk into a helicopter at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but can you make it that the helicopter isn't actually running? They just walk into the side of it so hard that they <laughs> just walk into it. Yeah. Or, or maybe they were trying to jump really high and jumped into the blades. <laughs> but the blades aren't running. Oh. I really want it to be that you think that that's what's going to happen. <laughs> And then they're like, whoa, lucky I nearly got hit by that blade. And then like the pilot opens the door and the door just knocks them out and they're dead. Yeah. So is this last jock, this Czech grade, who is the last of the great jocks before all this uh, fancy pantsy sports science came into it? Is he trying to, yeah. is he killing these guys by kind of goading them that they're not jock enough? So like he is saying, like, I bet you can't jump as high as I can. And then they jump up into the helicopter blades that are definitely not running. They just bonk their head. But that's <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> he could do that. I think, I think, um, I would like, I think each uh, death needs to be tailored to the person. I mean, though I've just said they're all exactly the same. I like that. Anyway, what's wrong with it? Let's let's keep it open. I love the idea that he just goads them because he is a 70-year-old man after all, even though he's a ghost, so he's probably not strong enough to do anything. He can barely lift a medicine ball. <laughs> like, come over here, pick this medicine ball up, just put it over your head. You know, that sort of stuff. Um, but what I thought would be great, because I was thinking, you know, obviously... Chet is both, um, I think he needs to be quite hard and quite sporty, but also a man in his 70s. And so the only actor, I think, who could play Chet is Jonathan Banks. Right. Oh, yes. From that's There's a scene in the new series oh, right. of uh, Better Call Saul yes. where he, he goes to town on like four, I think four like thugs come and try and beat Mike up. And uh, he absolutely pounds them. And you're like, he's a really old man. Yeah. But you know yeah. what? If if Vince Gilligan is prepared to suspend that disbelief, I don't see why. Yeah, I Jonathan can't. Banks of uh, Mike from Breaking Bad can definitely hold himself. Also, have you seen some pictures of young Jonathan Banks? No, is he sexy? Look at him. Let me let me let me let me, let me confirm. Yeah, now I, I really need to see this too. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe not a banging uh, yeah, hottie, I mean, but he looks pretty he's good. He's definitely over a five out of ten. But um. Uh... Oh, I see it. No, I see. I see what you're saying. It's a smouldering look. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit, little bit grizzled, a little bit of a tough guy. It's not like a young Joe Biden, though, is it? <laughs> no. Come on. Well, I've got other casting suggestions, obviously, because I imagine this is being a straight-to-Netflix horror, which means that all the teenagers need to be played by men in their 30s and 40s. <laughs> so I thought my teenage my teenage jocks, my ideal casting teenage jocks are Joel McHale, James Vanderbeek, oh, yeah. Justin Chambers, who is Dr. Alexis from Grey's Anatomy. No, Alex Carey, not Alexis. Alex Carey from Grey's Anatomy. Uh, Jamie Dornan. And Magnus is played by Luke Evans because Magnus has to survive till the end. Okay. So normally, obviously, who survives in a teen slasher is the virgin. Now, no one would believe that 40-odd-year-old Luke Evans is a virgin. <laughs> so he survives by giving up sport and getting into alcohol abuse because oh. his friends have died. So, I mean, it makes sense. And then right at the very end, so very end, like like Nightmare on Elm Street, right at the very end, you think Luke Evans slash Magnus is now sitting in a pool of tears, drowning his sorrows in a, a light American beer to denote an alcohol problem. <laughs> and then um, and then a locker bursts open and you hear Chet's laugh coming down the corridor. Oh, my word. So Chet's killing them out of jealousy, right? Because they're all uh, yeah. younger and... Fit they're all really good yeah. jocks, yeah. Okay, so if we did a stunt for this one, like the other one, what would what would it be? I would bring in an actual locker, you know, an actual full-sized locker. Yeah. And I'd bring it into the room and I'd go, 
gentlemen, because there aren't going to be any female film execs. I'd go, gentlemen, you're about to be amazed. And then I'd tip it forward and little Jonathan Banks would fall out onto the floor. And then I'd kick him and say, tell them the story. (laughs) Why is he little, Jonathan Banks? (laughs) I think he's quite short. Is he? And they'd be like, tell them, tell them. Tell them, and he's and and they'd be so overawed that a member of cast from Breaking Bad was in the room. They'd buy anything. Can you can you put him <laughs> first of all? Can you put like a a sheet over him, like so he's dressed as a ghost? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah just to really get the point across. Like this, but be- better, but like probably this costume, but a bit better, like a, a really expensive sheet. Imagine not this. This was a really cheap sheet, <laughs> but like imagine one of those hundred quid ones. <laughs> those John Lewis ones you'd be wearing that yeah instead. like 400 tog yeah. or whatever so just in case anyone is interested Jonathan Banks is 1.74 metres which is uh, 5.7 feet so he's quite short I guess that's short like, well, yeah. you know little Jonathan Banks <laughs> we only refer to him as little Jonathan Banks at all is times that, Danielle is that the tagline for your film is it is it the last <laughs> tagline little Jonathan Banks little Jonathan Banks <laughs> We'll be away for a bit, but we're still on social media everywhere. So don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook by searching for You Watched Pod. Drop us a message, leave a comment, send a tweet, let us know what you think of the series and you'll make Beck very happy. That's right, it's Beck Hill, not producer Rory, that needs a confidence boost. Who, who was it who told you that? And finally, here's Jade Adams's supernatural TV show pitch. Jade, what is your idea for a binge-worthy supernatural TV show? So, right, it's binge-worthy. So it's only going to be two seasons or yeah. possibly a third, maybe with a special on it. Nice. Um, uh, I want to get it all out and done. I have no interest in creating EastEnders. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's two season, And I... So basically, the premise is, I think, why do no supernatural things happen to normal people? I have mm. come up with this character called Chantel. She finds out that she can speak to the dead, although she doesn't want to. She would rather just play Animal Crossing. <laughs> and she is, I haven't a uh, basis anywhere, so she could be anyone, although I, I have some ideas for who could play her. I want her to be a sort of straight talking woman who people don't really understand because she doesn't behave like normal girls. Um, I was going to have her working as a, a receptionist in a building where lots of people take, uh, take um, liberties with her generosity. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sort of slightly ignore her and then come over and sort of, you know, they use her in a, in, in a way because she's straight talking and she always gives great advice and people come over and they ask her stuff and then they leave and they don't ever ask her about her life. Um, until one day uh, a, a ghost, uh, a spirit guide uh, starts talking to her. Um, and this is a bloke called Gavin. Uh, and uh, this, because there's never been a ghost called Gavin. Um, That's true. My husband's called Gavin, and he is quite pale. So oh yes, already pitching him go. as the cast. He hates acting, but you know, Fab. We well, can make I, it happen. I mean, a- any name like Gavin or Kevin or Brian or Dave or Steve or Robert or Rich or something like that, yeah. I think that would just a super normal name for a ghost because that never happens. 
Like yeah. they're always sort of spooky, like men in in clothes that they would have worn in the 1700s. But like you never see a ghost in a supermarket. You don't ever, you yeah. you don't meet ghosts who were like once like sort of you know 90s chavs like myself. <laughs> <laughs> also, Gavin the ghost has a really nice alliteration to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, da, da, da. Gigi. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So she gets a spirit guide, and he basically um, starts, t- uh, you know, opening her eyes up to this otherworldly um, thing that's happening um, around her. And he believes, like Morpheus believes in Neo, that she's actually this girl who just sits behind a desk, uh, uh, giving people um, evils essentially, and uh, also, you know, like she's sort of very, very straight talking. I don't want her; she's not a submissive person at all. She's super straight talking, but she just doesn't have that sort of the 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 level of self-worth that she gives to other people isn't something that she gives to herself yet um so she uh but gavin the ghost believes that um that she uh uh chantel is actually the um uh the the key to the end of the uh, there's an apocalypse approaching and she is the key to it but first of all he has to introduce her to this world and she has to sort of basically um learn all about uh the this otherworldly stuff that's happening around her that she wasn't aware of um Mm. and this uh and, and in in this uh show i think that the 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 sort of um metaphor the supernatural non phenomenon um uh metaphor in this uh in this show will be about um about self-worth so the the demons and the ghosts and the werewolves and the vampires and all of the 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 the, the different things that come at her are actually um all of the thing all of the things that you you know we put in our we put in the way of our own success and people put in the way of our success and people telling um specifically women that they can't do this because they're not like that or they can't do that whereas Gavin the ghost um shows her that she can achieve whatever she sets her mind to oh i love it that's really nice she's gonna fuck up loads on the way i mean that's a nice moral end to it but she's gonna be an absolute nightmare um (laughs) uh uh, yeah she'll be she'll be an absolute nightmare she won't want to run she won't want to um she won't want to put any of the effort in um she'll blag a lot of stuff as well that'll be another part of her um (laughs) so is she inherently quite lazy then no she's not lazy she's she just you know doesn't see the need to run unless um unless unless there's a unless there's a huge reason to and even then she'd rather get she'd rather get inside of a cab and get herself taken away good point yeah there's always a road next to a graveyard. You don't always have to run, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that she has this ability to speak uh, with the dead, even though she doesn't really want to. Is this something that's totally mundane to her? No, it's not. She's going to absolutely freak out and there'll be an entire episode <laughs> of her um, freaking out because that's another thing that doesn't happen in supernatural TV programs. All these normal people where this stuff all happens, they all act like this is just every day and it t- gives them like 10 minutes to get over it. No, there's going to be an, right. be an entire episode where she freaks out and the whole episode is surrounding all the different ways she's freaked out <laughs> i love that i uh, i'd love it if we got a bit more on the nose with the with those demons as well i love the idea of it being more to do with uh, self-doubt and and confidence and everything so i i like the idea of her looking into a mirror you know she's she, and you get a bloody mary style person who comes up behind her but instead of them scaring her they're just like Ah, uh, you've got split ends. <laughs> yeah, I think I think yeah. Gavin might change a few times. Like because she can speak to the dead, there'll be lots of. I think there'll be a lot, uh, a few spirit guides that come in and out of 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 it. But because she'll be the the main thing, I don't want it to be at end up where she doesn't. She she learns how to understand stuff through a bloke. I I just 
I I was just thinking of sort of like a normal situation. But you know, like Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost. And, of course. Yeah. And oh my God, pa- best character ever. Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Swayze relationship in Ghost is um obviously that's a... Uh, you know, hilarious, but it's always worth in a series to like ruin everyone's expectations of how good a person is. You don't want anyone yeah. like a nice, good character is a boring person to watch. You don't, you don't want that. A nice, good person isn't. Yeah. This is why I always sort of, I'm very surprised at, you know, like the term virtue signal. Um, I'm always very surprised that people want to do that because the people that are like good in TV programs are all the people we don't like the most. So why is everyone trying to be good all the time? <laughs> but yeah, no, I want them all to sort of break bad, essentially, throughout, including all uh, all the people that are perceived as good. Talking about individual episodes, so you, you were saying it's kind of almost like a monster of the week thing, where eventually once she once she stops freaking out and manages uh, to kind of like you know get on the get on the right foot and push forward again, it's kind of more of like these things come at her which represent issues in her life or things that make her less confident or doubt herself and stuff like that right yeah yeah so so like would it be a bit like you know there's that one episode of uh buffy the vampire say which is once more a feeling where everyone's in a, in a musical essentially mm. everyone's singing and stuff oh i love um, that one yeah i think that there you know there's the possibility of of doing those sort of uh, episodes where they sort of transport themselves into a different world i think that would be really fun and what's the point of doing a supernatural tv a binge worthy supernatural tv program unless you are going to give the audience a musical episode or um (laughs) an episode entirely devoted to contemporary dance i.e always sunny in philadelphia (laughs) or a muppet episode there always seems to be a muppet episode there's one in angel i know there you go that is why i suggested it (laughs) (laughs) do we have any idea for cast anyone that we're uh casting lizzo Lizzo. yes (gasps) can we so i guess lizzo in order to get the attention of the execs and stuff then um clearly lizzo has to to write a song about it write and perform a song needs to be a new pop hit no, I think this is just going to be her event. She'll be wanting to do this as well. She seems the type, but this is her venturing into acting. I don't think she does any songs at all. Oh, really? Not yep. even in the singing yeah. episode? <laughs> no. no, I think... No, well, she'll, obviously, the singing episode, they definitely will, and that's what the, the fans and everyone will wait for, and they'll definitely get to series two when you do that. I, it won't be until series two, at least, that we that we get her to sing. But, you know, we, she wants... I, I imagine that Lizzo wants to show off her acting chops. And, you know, they all they all want to have... You know, they, everyone wants to get that sort of... Um, is it, what is it called? The geot or the geot or... Egot. Egot, that's it. We don't get her to do... Um, her uh her singing because we want to help her get an emmy and i think that we she'll want to show everyone that she's more than just a singer which she definitely is any uh any cameos that you'd like to have throughout the series as well because you've got to have your cameos who would i put in it i mean i don't i'd love to have meryl streep in it i'll be honest um just in a meryl background walking just walks past in the background, <laughs> yeah. reenacts a, re-enact a gif. Her character in The Devil Wears Prada, that's where I want her to be. And then I just oh, want her yeah. to show up and like tell people off and then go. <laughs> she would be like a great boss, you know? And I mean, she's already played that, but mm. who gives a shit? She was really great at it. Yeah. I, I used to work for a woman who was basically like that. I bleached my hair one day came into work and she called me in and went, I'm giving you Wednesday half the day paid to take off. Go and get your hair fixed because I'd bleached wow. it myself. Oh my she was like, go get your hair fixed. This is my colorist. I really recommend it. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I would have been offended, but she like paid me half the day to go and then paid for the yeah. treatment as well. And I was like, 
uh, I'm not. I'm too poor to care right now. That's lovely. So that <laughs> yeah. that is a scene in this show. Yeah. <laughs> Great done. <laughs> I go. will be in the writers' room. Yeah, love it. <laughs> what and what do we call? What do we? What's the show called again? I haven't given it a title yet. That was that was something I was. I'm I'm not great at titling stuff until it's done. Mm. Yeah, fair. If it's about people ignoring her or kind of taking her for granted, and and it's supernatural, we could call it ghosting or something similar. Oh, ghosting right, might yeah. be nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, that is. But nice. they don't ignore her. They sort of they sort of put upon her, and she she do, she doesn't know her. She doesn't understand what her worth is because she hasn't seen anyone like her in 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 that sort of position before. So she sort of mm. takes her life as it is given to her, but she yeah. denies it all the. Way through the first bit and she was constantly reminded by these various ghosts that pop up in her life but she doesn't get it until the very end where she defeats the big bad who is who is the bad bad big bad i would say get a really sort of narcissistic uh white girl as the nemesis for the for the first sit- like some real I horrible <laughs> oh, right, right. She's, she's <laughs> so i also want this all to be around people that are in their 30s i'm not talking this is not a teen binge worthy supernatural tv program this is a and this is one with adults in it because that's the other Mm. thing that we've already discussed is that these shows are always surrounding teenagers and i think that i think the angel buffy's um uh buffy's spin-off series which was um targeted at adults was actually it's hard to say but it, it sometimes it was better Oh, I hate saying that. Oh, I feel bad. I feel really bad. I feel like I feels it feels like betrayal. Um, but there, safe space, just safe uh, space. Yeah, I think uh, I think that all these people should be in their thirties. I'm so sorry. I keep. I'm gen. It's genuinely annoying me that I can't come up with a good pun title for this because this is like <laughs> this is like my one's really good skill in life, and it's failing me right now. <laughs> it's called like Liz- can see ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> now look, now look. That, people have got to click on that on Netflix. That's true. I would watch that. Lizzo could see ghosts. I'd be like, go on then. Yeah, I would as well. Yeah. And her friend, and then the tagline is, and her friend Gavin, who is also a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I've got it. Go on. Boo. Boo? Boo might be, yeah, boo's good. Although it does sound like poo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think think to to make it clear, you can call it boo with, you know, big text. And then the small text under it can just say, Lizzo can see ghosts, including Gavin, who's also a ghost. Which was uh, <laughs> yeah. a, 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 a good title. Just to make sure that everyone gets it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This episode of Because You Watched featured Adam Hills, Dane Baptiste, Danielle Ward, Jade Adams, John Gracie, Matt Hyten, Georgia Maguire, Beck Hill, and me, Rory Binks. It was produced by Joe Grace and Martin Trickey.